Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. This is Sons of the Flag Radio, brought to you by Fire Engineering Blog Talk Radio. Our mission at Sons of the Flag is to revolutionize burn care and the quality of life for veterans, first responders, and families. Sons of the Flag believes that the future of burn care resides in research and development. Our vision is to accelerate and create the process of testing leading technologies and pushing them into circulation for immediate use by burn survivors across the nation. We are truly thankful for the support that everyone continues to show Sons of the Flag during these difficult times that our country and the rest of the world are currently experiencing. Without your continued support and and your shares on all social media and your donations, Sons of the Flag mission would not be existing. And so for that, we are truly thankful for you. So we'd like to start all of our shows off by honoring our fallen brothers and sisters since our last show. Uh, but we also want to take a, an extra moment of silence for all fallen law enforcement and military personnel um, throughout this great nation. So tonight, our fallen heroes are Donald Gross, Brian Bush, Jonathan Flakler, James Ludium, David Spink, Benjamin Poison, William Steinberg, Robbie Jones, Julian Wilson Jr., Paul Boutram, Kenneth Lakeo, Kelsey Sadler, Max Fortuna, William Brooks, Austin Smith, James Radford, Wayne Doyle, Brian Miller, Mark Holt, Stephen McCann, John McGuire, and Jesse Gerhard. Let us take a moment of silence. So, we have a special guest tonight, and I'm going to start off by reading an excerpt from his book, What the Fire Ignited by Shea Askew. Jeff and I stood beside each other on the opposite side of the driveway, careful to keep our distance as we didn't want to get stung by the yellow jackets. The next thing we knew, without a word, we felt something splash us. It hit me on the right side of my body. Splashing my shoulder, neck, and face. At the same time, it splashed Jeff on his left side. We didn't even recognize what it was until it, what it was until it hit the, sc- the flickering match, and whoosh, we were engulfed in flames. Gasoline. The right side of my body and face were on fire, but for some reason, I was still terrified and being stung by the yellow jackets. So I ran across the street to my yard to put out my flames, recalling the lessons learned from watching the TV show Code Red. I stopped, dropped, and rolled to put my flames out. Then I noticed Jeff was still over there screaming, completely consumed by flames. Instinctively, I ran back across the street and up the driveway, grabbed the water hose and put the flames out. I continued hosing us both down with water alternating between the two of us. The cold water provided temporary relief, but I had to share it every five seconds with Jeff. I still remember holding the hose with my right hand and positioning it on our heads, letting the water just pour down our bodies. We were completely blackened, our skin falling off. Our clothes melted to our bodies. I remember touching my head and my hair coming out in my hands. We could smell the charred flesh. As I looked at Jeff, I couldn't recognize his face. 
what just happened. Our bodies were burning from the inside out. Words can't describe the radiating heat and the burning wouldn't stop. The pain got worse with every passing second. When I read that, my mind reverted to my kid. And I was almost, I had to pause for a little bit to kind of take in what I just read. That's every kid in America. That's every kid going outside playing with their friends. And in a matter of seconds, a life is completely altered. Yep. So I want to welcome Shay. Um, Very honored to have you on. It is an absolute blessing to have you here. Um, reading this book, I know it's an absolute blessing to have yeah, you here yeah. because, dude, you've you, you've got you've had a pretty wild life, and um, your story. And you know, we were just talking with Bird. Your story is absolutely amazing. Um, extremely inspirational. And. You know, What the Fire Ignited is probably going to be one of my top books now because there's a hidden message in there, and we're going to get through it, get to yeah. it a little bit later. But I kind of want Shay to kind of talk about, you know, introduce himself, um, tell us what you're kind of doing now and where you're at, and we're going to roll from there, man. Thank you for sure. joining us, brother. Well, absolutely. It's an honor to be here with you guys and you know, with your entire audience. I feel honored just to be on this earth. You know, it's what you described happened August 4th, 1982, you know, consider myself then just a, a normal eight-year-old kid, did well in school, straight-A student, played sports, um, went to church, loved Jesus, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was the perfect child, but I think one of the things that sinks in with me, especially as a father of five now, mm -hmm. uh, four of mine have reached, you know, the age of eight, and with every one of them, I always wondered, you know, would the same fate happen to them? It's so much that happens in this world that has a lasting impact. It's outside of our control. Right. Right. We spend all our time focusing on things that we can control, but it's the things outside of our control that really change our entire life trajectory. Oh, absolutely. I think it's one of the things that you got to do with your kids. It's like, hey, when those things do happen and they're life altering, how are you going to react? Are you going to play the victim card, ask people to feel sorry for you, or are you going to make the most of a bad situation, play the cards you've been dealt, and get after it? And, you know, I was fortunate enough that that was the path I went down. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of it was based on faith, my parents pushing me, and just honestly, I know you guys have seen your share of it, but as I looked around the ICU ward, I was in the uh, Shriners Children's Hospital mm -hmm. back then. You see all these other burn kids, and I was like, you know, this is not the life I want. Right. I don't want to be known as a burn kid, a burn survivor. Like, I want to be known as an athlete. That's what I was before the fire, and I didn't want to let this change that. And so once I got out, you know, I kind of made a promise with God lying in that hospital bed for those two months that, Hey, if you get me out of here, I promise I'm going to spend every waking moment reclaiming my abilities and making the most of it. And so that's what I've done. Um, athletics has always been a, an avenue for me to kind of escape, you know, that trauma as an eight-year-old. I didn't want it to define me. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate to have success over the years in sports um, and just try to share that joy with others. 
No, I think this entire book is a true testament to that. You know, you're talking about you don't want to be known as a burn survivor, and you do talk about that in the book. But, you know, one of my favorite things is when you're training with um, Knoxville icon Ace Miller, you know, about being a great competitor. You know, these athletes get punched in the mouth and everything goes out the window. People yep. like you, that gets you fired up. You know, you attacked everything head on, you know, given your circumstance. You know, everything that's been thrown at you in life, you turned it into a positive somehow. Yeah. Um, and from a young age, too. Yeah, you know, and the thing I, at the very beginning of the book, reading, like any other, you know, young kid, you were afraid that you were going to be in trouble with your parents because of something that you did not do. But you knew that this was a a huge issue that happened. And your first instinct and fear, other than putting you and your friend out, you and Jeff out, is your mom was initially mad and y'all were fearful of that. And I mean, it, to me as a kid that, you know, that sucks. Like, you know, I do, I go back to my son and I sit there and think if he, if this happened to him, not just the fear that he's experiencing, but I don't want him to think that I'm disappointed in him and in your parents, man, they are absolute warriors. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed just listening to your mom. She's sounds like she's an absolute angel and a saint, you know, coming overcoming her fears especially, you know, the claustrophobia and flying and then going to Cincinnati with you on her own and basically upending y'all's life in Atlanta, correct? And then just moving yeah. to Cincinnati for several months while your dad had to stay home and work, man. That is, that's huge. We're, you know, this isn't 2022 where we have yeah. these modern advances, especially with some of the programs that we offer. They didn't have that back then. And then you talk about some of the care as a kid going through the Shriners, the debridement process, you know, listening to the screams. Y'all knew when it was going to happen, and the hour leading up, I remember you talking about the fear that just went through your mind and your body. I, I, I can't comprehend it. I really cannot. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, I think now we're so used to hearing about kids being put in induced comas. You get morphine. You have opioid addictions. Right. You know, in 1982, the belief was if you were screaming, your lungs were healthy. Right. And so they didn't try to suppress that. The strongest thing we got for pain was extra strength Tylenol. That's, oh that's you know, that, whenever, they, when I read that, 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 God yeah, Lord. I mean, they amputated most of my right ear while I was awake with a pair of scissors saying, Hey, this is dead tissue. And they'd come by and snip a piece of it off till it quit, ble you know, till it was bleeding. Then they're like, okay, now we've reached healthy tissue. We'll keep monitoring it. Yeah. Um, and some people say, God, that's horrible. I can't believe you went to it. And I said, Tell me how I've suffered. Yep. You know, now I just broke my collarbone Monday, had a plate put in it Tuesday. I haven't taken a single pain medicine. Mm. Everything that I've endured has prepared me for something bigger. You know, I don't have an opioid addiction. Yeah. All these people now, anytime they have a surgery, they're hooked on opioids. Yeah. I never have to worry about it. You know, I tell the doc, look, don't give me pain meds. I don't need it. Um, so that's where I look at the silver lining and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty hard as an eight-year-old kid going through that stuff. But it just prepares you later in life. And you realize so much of what we consider pain, mm -hmm. most of it's discomfort. Right. And if you can just push through it, I'm always like, look, give it 48 hours. It's amazing how much things change in 48 hours. And then when you reach that window, you say, all right, another 48 hours, I'm okay. And if you keep going through that time window, the pain becomes a non-issue. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting here, you know, I'm going back through the book right here. You know, you're talking about the debridement process and just how painful it was, you know. I'm still, man, I mean, I know pain's an issue, and this kind of, like you said, it prepared you for later in life. You know, you became a a fairly successful high school wrestler. You gave your try at baseball, football. And one a little of the, bit of skateboarding. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the stories that I love the most is that <laughs> you played a baseball game with a broken, <laughs> broken wrist, wrist. <laughs> that your dad never knew about. Talk and, about pain management. Right. Yeah, I was scared to tell him, because he specifically said, don't ride your skateboard the day of games. And, of course, I rode it, fell, broke my left wrist. Right. And so he knew in warm-ups something was wrong, and I asked him if I could bat left-handed because my arm was sore. <laughs> and even he will tell you, he was surprised I got a hit because I bat left-handed because oh, nice. I had broken my arm. Um, but, you know, you just kind of get through it. I think there's so many things in life we put these limits on ourselves saying what we can and can't do without really testing it. You right. know, somebody tells you, hey, you can't do this, and you just accept it. You know, the doctors told me in 1982, I'd never play competitive sports again. Right. Um, and that was mainly because my right arm was melted to my body. It took three years to lift over my head. I had to learn how to write left-handed just to finish third grade. I still have no nerves, no sweat glands in a third of my body. Um, but it doesn't preclude me from participating it makes it more challenging. Right. Uh, but I think that's what people do. They look for excuses why they can't do something. Right. As opposed to reasons. And, hey, these are things I'm better prepared for. And, you know, you alluded to the wrestling. One of the things I realized was the burns changed my body. You know, I no longer had the ability to compete in sports that required finesse mm -hmm. or touch. But, man, if there was a sport that required all-out effort, last man standing, whoever could inflict the most pain and take it wins, those are sports I did well in. You know, I boxed, I wrestled, got into a little sport called Ironman the past 13 years, and I've done pretty well in these sports. And it was never because I was a good athlete. You know, you mentioned A's, and that was his comment. He goes, Eskew, you're not a good athlete. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But you're one hell of a competitor. And he goes, I'll take that any day of the week. And that's what you realize. It's grit. It's the tenacity. It's, hey, I'll do whatever it freaking takes to win. You're going to have to freaking kill me to beat me. Those are the people that you want on your team. Those are the ones that rise to the top. Right. You know, the other athletes, they do well when everything's perfect. It's a nice sunny day. You know what the conditions are. Yep. But when the shit hits the fan, you want the people that had to work just to be out there on the field play. Yeah, I've I've always appreciated, you know, I, I've I as re, I was reading the book, I felt like the underlying tone for this was perseverance. Yeah, uh, and I, I love I love the segments of the Iron Man, the Iron Man segments that you kind of open stories up with. I mean, it really shows that you know getting through those little moments is you know, it's just one step at a time, and just really mm -hmm. barreling through was was really incredible. You know, I think one of the things, too, it's if you kind of just embrace, look, life's going to throw you curveballs throughout. It's not one event. It's not, hey, you got burned today. The rest of your life's going to be great. You overcame it. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Once you understand, look, you're going to be continually tested, and it's not if, it's when, and you're ready for it. I think that's the difference, right? Like I know Ironman racing just in life in general as a father – 
something's going to happen almost every single day, mm-hmm. you know? And so when it happens, we don't panic. We don't say, oh, man, now what do we do? My first you know, thought is, hey, I prepared for this. Right. And then you start thinking through, all right, here's what I need to do, right? You don't freak out. And I think that's where most people go wrong is they train and prepare for life as if things are perfect. Mm-hmm. They don't prepare. If everything goes wrong, then what? Right. Yeah. And I think if you have that mental fortitude to know that, hey, no matter how bad it gets, I'm always going to survive. Life's pretty easy. You know, I tell people, I said, look, as an eight-year-old and you go through this, you realize I can do some pretty hard shit. Yeah. It's going to take a lot for you to beat me down. And you better be ready for that, right? Like once you've been through that, nothing scares you. And what I tell people, it's within all of us. Most of us just haven't been put in that situation that we were forced to tap into it. Mm -hmm. And that's why we had to voluntarily start introducing stress into our life to allow us to tap into it. Yeah. Because once you do, man, it's empowering. You know, you know, the whole world looks completely different. All these things you thought were impossible. Yeah. Or possible. You just got to work a little harder and a little bit differently for it. You know, and that's what I love about, I have it highlighted right here. You know, you're talking about the Iron Man. You, in these moments, you must stay calm, put one foot in front of the other, and never give up. Never. And, you know, I think that's a true testament to that. You know, even in the fire service, one of the things that we try to do, and especially with younger guys who are not, you know, as well seasoned, you know, in the, in the job, is adding those elements of stressors to the training. So that stress inoculation training. So then when we hit these certain things, how do you overcome? How do you persevere? How do you push through when shit is at absolute rock bottom? You have that backup. You have that drive that's inside you. It's that fight or flight experience, right? You're yep. going to do what's best for you. You're going to survive. You're going to do it for your family. You're going to do it for whoever in the fire service that maybe you're working with or you're the mm-hmm. brothers that you're riding with. But for you, you're going to take that next step. No one is going to tell you no. No one's going to tell me no. no. Because if you tell me no, guess what? It's on. I'm going to <laughs> yep. prove you wrong. And, and I think that that's what I love about your message is that don't ever accept no. Never let anyone dictate what you can do. Prove every damn naysayer wrong. Push forward. Find that fortitude you have in you and make something happen. Well, if I took no as an answer, I wouldn't have five kids and married 19 years. <laughs> no. You're right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> right? Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I mean, that's what's always motivated me. You know, I mean, small kid, you know, I'm 5'7", 145 pounds. You know, my goal is to be built like a 12-year-old in life. But <laughs> I've always been that underdog. And with that comes that mindset that, look, I realized I've got a unique set of skills. <laughs> yeah. And that really comes out when the shit hits the fan. Because you yeah. realize when things get hard, other people peel off the course. You right. know? I don't know. I mean, to me, that's one of the things that's like, how do you teach that? Yeah, I was I was actually just wanted to, to kind of touch on that. You know, there – there, I, I, I believe there are people who are really built like yourself and like, uh, like Birdman, for instance. You know, the 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 seal mindset that, you know, overcoming this stuff is there's there's no there's no option. And then there's other people who, you know, may not have that uh, internal, you know, mechanism to turn off their brain when the pain starts. And it's like, how do you teach 
you know, how do you, how do you put that fight flight, you know, mechanism really into them where there is no flight, there's only fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you really drill down into somebody? Because I, I, I'm, I fully believe that no, you know, we have a society that's very, you know, give me my Xanax for my anxiety, you know, <laughs> times are tough. I need, yeah, I need, I need, my, yeah. I need my space. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I'm so glad that the pandemic started so I can sit in my bedroom and not talk to anybody because people make me nervous kind of deal. Yeah. And I've experienced some of that in, in my past, but it's like, you know, at a certain point there's, how do you, how do you teach that personality switch? You know, cause some guys will go out there and tell you, well, just do it, you know, just, just, just do it. And they're, Unfortunately, there are people that aren't built like that, but I do believe that everybody has it in them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you retool and how, what, what can you say to people to really get them to, you know, to, to shift perspective? Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, there's a lot of things, you know, one of the things people ask about, especially with kids, like how do you teach your kids? Uh, and I can tell you each one of mine is completely different, but we do a lot of little things. For instance, every Friday when we go eat dinner, we stop quarter mile from home and i make all the kids get out and run home i love that you know and they're not always excited about it and sometimes they'll cry about it dad i don't feel good like i've made them run home in flip-flops you knew what was coming (laughs) take them off and run barefoot i don't care but getting back in the van is not an option yeah i'll see you at home there's little things like that you know when we're in the car and it's 15 degrees outside we roll the windows down and play freeze out and we make games of it you know you wait to see who's the first one crying but that doesn't mean you roll the window up but it's a game to see who can hold out yeah uh it's just we do constant things like that in the house we do plank challenges you know like my son the other day said dad i want some popcorn i said what are you willing to do to get it i said all right i'll tell you what you got to crank out 200 push-ups in three minutes. Go. So savage, boy. Yeah. Right? So it's little things like things like, I said, do you want the popcorn or not? And so he got down and did it. Uh, so those are little things that we do to kind of make our kids tough. Yeah. But I'm also like, I've got friends that I know wouldn't voluntarily sign up for stuff. So I just say, hey, why don't you join me? Got this nice little trip planned. <laughs> you can't tell them everything. <laughs> uh, like my wife, she freaking hates it. You know, because the last time I did it, we had all the kids and we wind up hiking four miles in snow with just tennis shoes on. Oh, but I man. knew if I told her it was snowing yeah. where we were going, she wouldn't want to do it. And so once we show up there, everybody's in ski outfits and snowshoes. She goes, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> We're in blue jeans and tennis shoes. Oh, no. Oh, and man. I said, well, look, babe, if you want to tell the kids we can't do it, we can leave. That's fine. She's like, you're an asshole. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but we had an amazing trip, right? But I think that's what you got to do. You can't give people the option say, yeah. here's how tough it's going to be. Just say, hey, look, we're going to do this nice little trip. Man, we're going to have a great time. Right. But once you get people into it, it's hard to turn back, right? And you say, look, all we can do is go forward. You know, if you turn around now, it's going to be twice as hard. Well, and, and there, I think there's a there's a misconception amongst people that, you know, well, if, I'm, if I try something really hard, it's just really going to hurt. But they don't understand the accomplishment and the, 
I mean, mm. the real gratitude and feeling that comes out on the other end, like some of my greatest moments, you know, just being alive are, you know, just overcoming great adversity, you know, whether it's, you know, freezing my ass off during a hunting trip and yep. really wanting to go back inside and then picking off the one that I wanted to get. It's like, yep. man, I'm, I'm glad I froze my butt off and nearly lost a finger, but yeah. I, I got it. And you know, it's, it, but they, they focus so, so much on that. Well, it's super difficult and I'm going to feel like shit while I'm doing it. And I really don't want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, there's, and see, there's not the expression of the other side. And I think that's where it helps. If you've got somebody with you on that journey to talk yeah. you through it, right? Like my daughter, man, she's tough as nails. And I know what motivates her. Like she was running cross country. She's supposed to go run. She goes, dad, I don't want to run. She's literally almost crying about it. And I said, okay. I said, let's go run anyway. We'll take it easy. I ran every hill in the neighborhood with her. <laughs> and as we're running, she says, Dad, how much further? I said, babe, the top's right there. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Ten more seconds. You can do anything for ten seconds. Yep. Literally, she's at tears at the end of it. And we're talking the whole time. I, she goes, Dad, I'm going to die. I said, do you feel that pain? No, when you feel that. You're not dead. The fact yeah. you're talking to me tells me you're okay. So if you feel this, no, you've got a little bit extra to get. And when we finished, it was her fastest split she's ever ran. Wow. wow. And I said, babe, we just ran every hill in the neighborhood after you told me you couldn't run, period. Yeah. But it was just getting her out of her mind, right? And she won the next cross-country meet. That's awesome. But it was being able to talk her through and say, hey, when you feel that pain, that's when you know you're doing it, right? That's yeah. what it's going to feel like. And that's okay. Don't panic. And I think that's what happens. Some people, as soon as they feel that discomfort, their immediate reaction is to shut down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's why, like, I love getting people to use heart rate monitors just to kind of reaffirm them, hey, look, I know you're feeling a pain, but look at that number. That number says you got a little bit more left. Right. Right? Let's take your mind out of it. Um but one of the things I like to do too is to get people, all right, if you're going to do a workout, you got to commit to doing it. Mm -hmm. And so if it's 10 o'clock at night and you're tired, you've had a long day, that's the best time to go do it. Yep. Yep. You know, there's many nights at 10 o'clock, I'll go down and run 18 miles on the treadmill. And it freaking sucked. I hated almost every minute of it. But I would remind myself as I'm running, guess what? You're doing something 99% of the people in the world would never do. And because of that, you're going to be the top 1%. Right. There you go. Everybody else is comfortable laying in your bed. How does this feel? And, man, it just energized me. No, hey, look, I chose this, right? I could be at home sleeping, but I'm freaking cranking out 18 miles 10 o'clock at night. You know, that's... And you start tapping into that stuff, right? When you get yeah. into a race or life or any kind of situation, you said, hey, remember those workouts late at night? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got this. This is what it – I know what this feels like. I know how this story ends. Keep pushing. You know, that's why I, I've always gravid, gravitated myself towards people that have suffered through adversity because um, you see their heart. You see their grit. You know, they know – like you said – that pain is just telling you you got more to give. Yeah. You're not dead yeah. yet, you know. And I think those people who have suffered through adversity in life, whether it be financial, emotional, spiritual, whatever you want to, whatever it may be, you know, 
they understand the importance of a small victory. Like you said, you can run 10 more seconds. Let's get to the top. Okay, what's next? Let's go 10 more seconds. Let's get up there a little bit further. Every small victory, it, it, it piles into a bigger victory. And I think that with not just America, I think it's the world in general, we've got to revert that mindset. You know, we have got to change that mindset. You know, I've got to take the next step. I get guys that ask me all the time, why do you get up at 4.30 in the morning and go work out every morning? Mine is, I want to see my kids longer in my life. There you go. And yep. that's what I do. They're like, well, aren't you tired? I go, shit, yeah, I'm tired. Yep. I'm dead at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But guess what? I get home at four, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and I see my kids. Man, that's a win. Yep. I'm going to get up at 4.30 the next morning. I'm going to do it again. Yep. I'm going to do it again. And I keep doing it. And, and everybody's like, well, why are you eating differently now? Because I want to see my kids. Yeah. I want to feel better. I want to do what's right for me. You know, find the small victories and, like you said, just push yourself. Well, when they want to play, I want to have that energy. Yeah, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Yeah, I need that energy with them all. Well, and for me, it's I want to be the kind of dad they're proud of. I want to be the dad that can take his shirt off at the pool. Yeah. I want to be the dad that they're going to spend half their teenage years trying to beat because I'm never going to let them win. (laughs) Yep. Right? Like, I wrestle my boys. I crush them. I said, look, <laughs> when you beat me, know you've earned it. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm not going to let you win, you know? I will pull your ear, break your, you know, whatever it takes. Yep. I'm going to harden you up, but you will know that you've earned it. You know, that's like, my dad uh, and I had a I bet for $100 when I, by the time I turned 18, it, I was going to whoop him in an arm wrestling contest. And as soon as I turned 18, I said, you want a challenge? He goes, no, you win. <laughs> I was like, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think that's it, you know, but one of the things I tell everybody, it's, it's one thing to say it as a parent, but it's another thing to model the behavior. Yeah. So when my kids get up at six, they're like, man, dad's been working out for an hour and a half hard. Mm-hmm. So they just think that's normal. Yeah. They think it's normal for a dad to do a three hour workout on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And so my little seven year old daughter, she's always wanted to work out with me. Like she'll get on the treadmill while I'm riding my bike. That's so awesome. And that's the difference, right? So many parents tell their kids, hey, you need to do this, yep. and then they're overweight or whatever it is. Yeah. If you feel that strongly, do it to yourself, and the kids will want to emulate what you're doing. 110%. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think that kind of goes back to the Shriners motto. You can do it. Oh, We're not here to take care of you. I love 100%. that. 100%. I'm like, when I read that, I, read, I literally read it four or five times. Yeah. I'm like, holy crap. And that's to me. It's a place like, hey, we're here to take care. No, we're not. You you can do this. Well, you're not talking to regular people. You're talking to people who've been injured like that to instill that sort of mindset in you as as an injured individual. I mean, I I thought was it's like it, it, once you read it, you're like, well, yeah, that you know, because the person's gonna have to live on their own eventually, and yep. if you coddle and take care of them now. You know, that's that's not teaching them anything. That's not allowing them to grow out of this out of this situation. Well, you think of Zach, Zach Sutterfield. You know, we just had on our show back in December, mm-hmm. burned over almost. I forget what the percentage was, but he's lost over ninety. Yeah, two. You know, yeah. two amputations. Lost both of his hands. Both hands in his head whenever he jumped out of a two story window. His, yeah. his building was set on fire. Uh, twenty twenty years old. Yeah, so he suffers from TBI, and he's having to relearn how to be an adult right now. And he's, oh my god, he's, he's an amazing kid. He's, I feel like I feel like a, a piece of crap. I swear to God, because that dude has overcome everything in life. His parents, you know, they stand by him. They don't coddle him. No, 
They yeah. force him to do the stuff that he's supposed to do. And it's just people like Zach and then your backstory, you know, and the way you're dealing with your kids now, that's what this is supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to push each other and challenge each other every single damn day of our life. Well, it's funny because when we talk about this, like we all agree, but then we're judged by our peers. Like, yes. oh my God, you're a horrible parent. I'm yeah. like, oh, hey, my job's to prepare my kids for the challenges of life. Like I tell my kids daily, life's not fair. Get over it. Yep. Yep. It's going to be hard. You know, we don't tell them things will work out. Everybody's going to do stuff. And so I think the more you can do to inject adversity into their life and teach them how to overcome it, the better we're preparing them. Yeah. 100% agree. Well, and, and you know, I've, 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 I've heard parents say things like that about, about parents who have, have their kids face adversity and all I can think is when shit hits the fan do you want your child to have the best tools in their toolbox to get through that or do you want them to curl up in a ball and not be able to get get over their get over their fear and make it debilitating because you have yep. you have two options you can coddle your way through parent you know through their childhood and then whenever they get into that real world it's going to be a rude awakening and it's going, you know, may, God willing, they have, you know, they're, they have strong fortitude and they can get through it. But most likely they're going to curl up in a ball and they won't know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I'm a huge believer in is the things that you read and watch. You're training your brain how to react when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And like, so I, all I read is nonfiction. And it's always books about adversity, something happening, whether it's Ernest Shackleton, right, being stuck in Antarctica. You name it, because I want my brain to be trained that, look, when stuff goes wrong, our first reaction is, I got it. Yeah. Here's the story where this happened to so-and-so. Like, I don't read stories about people dying from cancer, and it's not because I don't believe in it. It's not because I think it doesn't happen. But I don't want my brain to think, hey, if we get this horrible disease, death is what awaits us. Mm -hmm. So I just focus strictly on stories of overcoming adversity, and I expose my kids to those same stories. I said, look, I want you all to read these things to see, hey, you know, a buddy of mine's a double amputee. Horrific. He lost it in the uh, Alaskan wilderness, but he's now the world record holder for a marathon a double amputee, two-hour, 35-minute marathon. Golly. Think about that, right? And so I share with my kids these stories to say, hey, look, just because trauma happens doesn't mean your life's over. Look at these people living their best life even after these horrible accidents happen. And I think that's what you got to do from an early age is train kids, hey, stuff's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? It could very well happen to you. And when it does, we're not giving up. We just may shift to a different sport or activity. Yeah. You know, I'm going to read right real quick. October 12, 2012, the Ironman World Championship. And I think that you've highlighted this extremely well. Landon and I have talked about this for a little bit. <laughs> but that was you, you ran your fastest marathon split in an Ironman race, three hours and 41 minutes. And your official finish time, which you have 17 hours, correct, to finish that. Right. 10 hours, 45 minutes. 49 sec- seconds and you write a respectful time like, get out of here man <laughs> but i love what you write after that 
And I'm going to read this part. Like I said, I'm going to encourage you guys. We'll put the link on it, maybe on the Sons yeah, of the Flag we'll, yes, Facebook page this, to the book. We'll, we'll put a link to the book. I'm telling you, it's it's a good read. Um, I'm, there's it's it's game changing. I'm in love with this thing. Yeah. So as I undressed undressed to go to bed that night, I surveyed the damage of the race on my body. <laughs> I was peeing blood, and skin, my skin felt like it was about to peel off. I was severely sunburned from nearly 11 hours in the lava fields. I was advised not to use sunblock as it would make my sweating issue even worse because you can only sweat out of a 30-year body, correct? Right. The bottoms of my feet were covered in blisters. The excessive sweating also caused every square inch of my body in contact with another piece of skin to rub raw. I thought I had carefully applied body chafing cream to everything, but unfortunately, the skin was even robbed raw rubbed raw on both testicles the back of my neck both armpits and part of my butt yet i felt it was all completely worth it 100 <laughs> percent. do it again <laughs> I, I i i have I, look i have stars and, and tabs and everything on that little <laughs> section that a respectful respectful time respectful time I, that's, I, that, I, that, i'm, yeah, I'm hung that, up on that, it man that made me smile pretty big it's like because the mindset of it just it the, is. just the mindset of like well can do better next time it's like all oh, right yeah no i i think that's like a true testament like you said everything we've been talking about you, you got to train your mind right you've got to overcome when you hit that trauma or trauma happens you don't let it dictate you you're suffering i think you're suffering just as much as i mean i don't have i've never been burned to your extent but that sounds like you're suffering pretty extensively just in that conversation. And then the events leading up to it about the cramping, about going to the lava fields. And then, you know, we were both very impressed about you, your, uh, your bathroom issues. You know, <laughs> we, we were really impressed by that. But overcoming every single obstacle that was put before you during that race. I mean, I think every event in life led you up to that moment. Obviously, your wife and kids and your mom and dad. But that is a true testament to your will and your t- your tenacity your your overall you know determination to never be defined you know especially as a burn survivor you you're i mean you're a warrior that's 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 your definition to me as a warrior yeah well for me it's like when you have these kind of opportunities you don't want any regrets right so i spent solid seven months training for it i was already in good shape anyway but i spent five months doing a sweat study Mm mm-hmm where I weighed myself five times a day, every day for five months straight. I, you know, I measured how much I urinated, the intake, you name it. And so I had calculated with a dietitian's help, I sweat out five pounds every hour during that almost 11 hour race. Holy crap. And then, so people don't realize, so for me to even finish it, I had to train my gut to process a liter and a half of fluid every hour for 10 hours straight. Yeah. So try that sometime. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. You know, and then also I had to take in 2,400 milligrams of sodium every hour. And so these are all these things that I have to do special to make up for the inability to sweat and where I can sweat, I overcompensate, but I just want to know, Hey, I'm doing everything I can to have the best race experience possible. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what the time is, you're happy with it because you know, hey, look, I did my best, right? Everything else took care of itself. Um, so I, I just feel fortunate in those kind of events just to experience all of it. You know, the pain is just 
another sign that, hey, look, you gave it everything you had. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the little hidden trophy that you never get. Yeah. Um, nobody can take that away from you, right? And it's one of those, like, when you feel that pain, like I talk to it. Hey, I feel you. I got you, buddy. You know, and you sometimes you can even talk the cramps out of your body. It depends on how bad it are, how bad they are. Yeah, I, man, you know, I, you know, your book, you know, going through, you talk about a lot of encouragement, you know, you were encouraging others as you passed them along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, how, how did you, could, I mean, when you decided to sign up for your first Ironman or try, you know, try triathlon, how did you make your mind? Because that was a new realm. You, obviously, you wrestled and boxed. Boxed, you know, you boxed in college for a little bit. Um, yeah. What, what was this? What was the steps that you took to to get to this? And where was the mindset? Yeah. And what inside you said, I I want to challenge the hell out of myself. And there's no turning back. Yeah. So, 2008. I was working in a big high-rise downtown Atlanta, and every day I'd go down and work out at the gym and was focused on the gun show, right? A lot of curls, mm-hmm. bench press, just wanted to look good in the T-shirt. <laughs> right. I was 33 at the time, 34, 33, 34. This 65-year-old man comes up to me, big barrel-chested, flat top, and he goes, hey, tough guy. I said, you talking to me? He goes, yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> He goes, why don't you come in here in my little boot camp class, just me and a bunch of ladies. Shouldn't be anything for a guy like you with all your muscles. Damn so for boy. perspective, you know, I told you I'm 145 now. I was 187, 188 then. Ooh. And it wasn't 100% muscle, but um, still pretty thick. And so I was like, whatever, old timer. So I go in there. <laughs> sure enough, it's all women. First 10 minutes, I'm in tears because <laughs> all we're doing is core, leg lifts, planks, oh, you know, all yeah. the stuff that I have not been working on. Finally, the last 10 minutes, he says, all right, we're going to do four count push-ups. I'm like, all right, I'm going to bury this dude. He doesn't know who he's messed with. He drops down beside me and he's yelling out, one, two, three, one, one, two, three, two. And he goes, pick it up, SQ. And I couldn't keep up. And then he goes, SQ, ponytails is kicking your butt. Come on, boy. There's no, I couldn't respond. All I could say was, yes, sir. I went home and told my wife, I said, I got my ass kicked today by a 65-year-old man. I said, this shit's on. Said, he doesn't know who he's messing with. Oh, man. So, so what I found out was this guy was one of the original Ironmen from 1978. Okay was a Marine drill sergeant, was running 8 to 10 miles a day. So I got back in a fighting shape. I lost probably 20 pounds the next two months Wow! doing this class. During that time, he got diagnosed stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Mm. Over time, we became really close. He did chemo. He did the Whipple procedure. You name it. But after a year, just he couldn't, you know, his body was done. Yeah. And so right before he passed, a group of us said, hey, Henry, we're going to do the next big triathlon in your honor. We don't care the distance. And so that happened to be a half Ironman. I didn't own a bike, didn't know how to swim. You know, I played Marco Polo in the kids' pool, but never, yeah. like, swam laps. Hadn't ran since high school. And so we had four months to get ready for it. I bought a $500 bike on Craigslist, just started running based off what I thought I needed to do 
uh, took some swim lessons and finished the race pretty respectfully. Uh, it's like five hours, 38 minutes for a half Ironman. And that night we're all celebrating. So I was like, let's do the same race twice, four months from now. So I went home, signed up for it. Nobody else did. Yeah. It's, it happened to be the full Ironman. And as luck has it, the day before the race, I ran into Henry. That's the Marines drill sergeant. I ran into his daughter. Mm-hmm. And she said, Shay, daddy's going to be watching you tomorrow. I said, yeah, I know. She goes, no, you know this is the one-year anniversary of daddy passing. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. No clue. Again, I just kind of went with the spirit. Like, I really believe things happen that God has orchestrated. He puts people in your life at the right time. And, yep. yeah. and I felt like that's what it was with Henry. Uh, finished the race, uh, 10 hours, 31 minutes, and was kind of hooked. I was like, man, maybe this is my my sport. I finished second in the next race I did and been doing it since. Now we've done 42 Ironmans and half Ironmans. I've raced on six continents now. So the only one left is Antarctica, which they don't offer a race yet. Yes. Hopefully I can get that done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just put everything into perspective real quick for our listeners. Those who do not know what the Ironman truly is, uh, it's a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile marathon run, all to be completed, completed under 17 hours. And in the Ironman, there's, what, 2,400 spots with 90,000 athletes trying to get in. Sheesh. So that tells you the level of competition that – Shay was always up against that's that's pretty uh pretty over i mean pretty overwhelming overwhelming. yeah yeah yeah, it's it's hard to wrap my head around on that that is a that is a a really fascinating story too being kind of a gym rep myself i know what it's like you go in there you got you see the guys that are just bulking and pumping and you know and it's fun i love i love doing it and then to (laughs) then to be asked to go into a room and you're like oh I'm, i'm gonna knock all these people out and then yeah. just 20 minutes later, you're like, well, hell, I, I think I met a, met a match that I need, to, need yeah. to conquer again. Yep. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute, nobody cares how much I can bench press. <laughs> no. It's how many times can I lift, lift 10 pounds, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very humbling, you yeah. know, and it, it just opens your eyes to a whole different world. Like I tell everybody, just go exercise seven hours straight. And then say, all right, now I'm going to go run a marathon for time. You know, know, so just kind of think about that and to think, hey, while I'm doing all that, I got to eat, drink, go to the bathroom, all of this, and I'm doing it for time. Yeah. Right. That's one of the things I, you know, I wrote about last week is one of the things that helped me finish second in that next race was learning how to pee on yourself while you're bike riding. Yeah. Uh, People like, I can't believe you do that. I was like, are you kidding if I can shave anywhere from two to four minutes, I mean, that's the difference between making the podium and not making the that's podium. That's that competitive edge right there. <laughs> yeah. God, right? boy. You know. And of course. So. No, yeah. No, I, I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit how you became involved with us over here at Sons of the Flag. I mean, obviously, you suffered burn. I'm not going to say you're a burn survivor, but you, you did suffer a traumatic issue. Uh, you've gone through multiple surgeries uh, as a kid uh, in college, you know, the, the story about what well, you, you gained two inches in your, 
your arm and then your neck from this, you know. And hearing about the indention and, and yeah, and then the doctor who didn't do what you liked uh, took uh, skin from took places skin from you places sh- that he shouldn't have. Uh, I mean, so you've been you've you've been up and down the block and around it and probably flipped it on its head. Yeah, it's been a long journey. I think all in all, I've had over forty surgeries now. Um, probably thirty of them are burn related. But it's interesting. Again, I keep talking about God just kind of puts people in your life at the right time. Through LinkedIn, I became friends with a guy named Ryan Hyman, mm-hmm. who's good friends with Bird. And I believe he may might even be on your foundation yes. board. Yep. 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 And Hyman's like, dude, I got to hook you up with Birdman. Like, you guys are going to hit it off. Like, you guys are so wired alike. And so we connected, and Bird was telling me about the foundation. He's like, man, we need to get you in to see one of my doctors. And so this was in the height of COVID when all this was going on. We did a telehealth visit. And then uh, October last year, I was like, you know what? I need to just go ahead and get this big surgery done. I've been putting this one off because I know it's going to be pretty extensive. It's like, let me get through my racing season, and then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to commit two months just to recover from the surgery then build back up. And so I, you know, I was able to race in Israel uh, in November, and then had surgery through Sons of the Flag down at USF in January. And basically, they did what's called a skin flap. So they took a section out of my back, probably about eight by four inches, and it was the skin, fatty tissue, and the blood vessels. Mm. And then they cut my neck, and it split open. And they also removed a lot of the burned tissue and then sewed in this good skin from my back into the blood vessels. So now this skin will not contract. Like I've had a ton of skin grafts over the years. Right. My last one shrank 65%. Holy cow. Right. So this won't shrink because it's real skin with its own blood supply. And so I went through this procedure uh, it's a 10-hour surgery. It's a pretty big deal, yeah. right? It's definitely the most complicated I've ever had. The surgeon's like, everything went perfect. You were in good shape. That really contributed to this. <laughs> and then seven weeks later, I'm bike riding with my dog in the park, and his leash catches a pole, oh, man. throws me on my neck. I snapped my collarbone, had to get a plate put in. Luckily, it didn't impact the, the graft. Good. It was right below it. Not a single scratch only, which is crazy. But it snapped my collarbone pretty good where they had to do immediate surgery. Uh, so that was fun. You know, I was like, dude, you're not going to believe how bad of luck this is. He's like, dude, if I got a bubble wrap you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you describe yourself as the 1%, right? If yeah, something's going to happen, it's going to be you. Like, what are the chances? You know, I mean, it's – and I get it. A lot of times we put ourselves in these situations, right? Um but, you know, being that 1%, you also get to experience the joys that 1% experience, yeah. right? I mean, there's always a trade-off. Yeah. And that's why I tell everybody, like, if you're one of those people that moment something bad happens, you say, God, why me? Or are you the first one when something amazing happens? You say, God, why me? Yeah. Right? If you're going to blame people for the stuff when things happen bad, well, give them credit right away when the good things happen. Right. Yeah. Well, you can't fully – one of the themes that I kind of gathered from your book, you know, just personally was, you know, yeah, there's 
it seems like strings of bad luck and you know bad things some bad things happen stuff but it's like you can't experience fully experience life unless you're willing to let some bad things happen unless you're willing to accept that shit is going to come down the pipe and sometimes it's it's I'm going to get covered in it. Embrace your suffering. There's so much more that I've experienced that's beautiful and that's wonderful and that's fulfilling because I've been through and I've accepted that there's going to be some shit that comes along with it. 100%. You know, I feel like every scar on my body has a story behind it. Mm -hmm. And then when the stuff does happen, I keep saying, look, I know you're preparing me for something bigger and better. Mm -hmm. Once I heal up, imagine what else I can do now. Right? Yeah, rock and roll. This is this is in my toolkit. I can say, hey, look, I just beat this. Right? Yeah. I love that. Mike. I absolutely. I uh, you know we we've doted on you a bit because you know we just got done with your book, but I I absolutely love that mindset. And I mean, it, I'm I'm not a big motivational book reader, but whenever I read this one, I was like, man, that you know, it. it I think things like this help people like me. You know, I'm I'm not a firefighter. I'm not a military guy. I'm just a civilian. Um, you know, my hardships have been more or less minimal, but you know, it makes you really want to go face the world and, and, you know, any of the small things that are bothering you, it really, you know, it kind of, you know, not to use a bad pun, but it burns them away and it takes it off and it makes you yeah. really want to re well, the, reevaluate. And this is not a self help. This no, is a get no. off your ass and yeah. do something with yourself yeah. because you haven't done shit this in your is, life. You, book. you have to help yourself. Yes. Like, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of my rules. People always reach out. Hey, man, will you help me? I said, look, I'll help you, but here's how it works. I'm going to tell you some things to do. The moment you quit doing it, we're done. Yeah. Because my time is one of my most valuable assets. Yep. And I'm giving freely to you. So don't waste it. You know, and there's a lot of people, they get pissed. Well, hey, I'm sorry. It's like, I don't want to hear it. You know, you knew the rules and you broke them. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I'm also one of those, not to, you know, I'm not the most compassionate person. And so when people start telling me, you know, hey, this hurts, this does this, I said, listen, it's not that I'm minimalizing. It's just I've seen so many people go through some crazy stuff. Like, I know you can dig deeper. You're, def- yeah. you're allowing it to define you. Right? So let me share with you somebody else's story. Maybe you can find some strength in what they went through. Mm-hmm. Because I don't ever want to try to compare pains whether it's mental physical spiritual right we're all going through something Mm -hmm. but i just don't want you here to say hey this is taken over right you can acknowledge it exists it's hard i get that but realize other people have trained it overcome it and then achieved amazing things despite it and so that's what i try to get people to tap into Mm -hmm. you know you know and i think one of the things is people just assume Things are better now. Mm-hmm. They say, hey, that was pretty horrible, all that stuff you went through. I said, dude, there's not a single day I've woken up in 40 years where I wasn't in pain. It's just some days it's less than others. Yeah. You know? And I just accept that's part of life. And so once you accept that, anything that, if it doesn't hurt as bad as yesterday, well, man, that's a blessing. You know, and I, I want to go back to the burn care real quick because you initially were only burned on 33% of your body, roughly. Right. And it was because of your surgeries and the healing process and the other complications that it, it extended to 65%. Is that correct? Yeah. So now it's probably more than that. But 
because they had to take the skin from my legs for uh-huh. the donor sites for the skin grafts. But when they did, they accidentally dug them too deep. Oh, and so shit. they became equivalent to third degree burns. And so they had to skin graft to my donor sites. What? I've never, God. I've ne- again, I've never heard of this ever happening. 1%, man. <laughs> but it happened to me. Right? Wow. And, and I think that's, uh, that's, that's truly important to highlight what we're doing here and why we have this mission here is, you know, your story is we've got to push burn care past these yeah. points, right? We, you know, we're not going to look back. We're going to keep pressing forward. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Birdman. He's such a driven individual, and then he's got such a, an amazing group of individuals that are pushing us all forward. That burn care, is, it sucks, man. It's got to get better, and we're and we're doing things to get better. You know, and there's this, so much great technology out there that needs to yes, it, it that's just not being either embraced or it's difficult to get into the system, and it's it's like big. Unfortunately, because there's not a lot of voices out there, a lot of the, a lot of the burn foundations, you know, the, they'll help with some surgeries and stuff, but it's primarily to help the family and yeah, which they do they do great work, uh, but the research really needs to, you know, it needs to be promoted. Yeah, cut well, the red tape and let's push forward. I yeah. mean, we got to get through it. But and I think you know part of it's the mindset too, because for so long it's hey, we just want to get you back in society. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want that. I want to be a top performer. Don't just put me back and say, here you go. You're here, now average. You're number, here's number three. Get back in here. Right? You're a person. I, just a I want to be elite. So tell me what we can do so I can be the top, the best. I don't want to always have this excuse, well, you're burned, so now you can't do that. That's not acceptable. Yep. No. So despite of this injury, what can we do that I can be at the top of my game? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's going to take. And I think there's a ton of great um, doctors out there willing to do that. And I know that's what Birdman has worked so hard on is putting this kind of panel together to provide that level of care. Like when I walked into the surgeon, I said, listen, I'm racing May 22nd. So you need to do your job. Cause I plan to start training these dates. And he goes, all right, that'll work. <laughs> rock and yeah. rock and roll. You know, I, I we're probably going to wrap up here shortly, yeah. but, um, Normally, I would ask people questions, you know, about you, but I, I don't think that I don't want to do that. I want what I want you to do, you know, leave us with a few words, you know, for the people um, that are listening. You know, just we, we I think we've really highlighted a, a lot of amazing topics, you know, how to how to push yourself past, you know, well, you that know point. I, and I have something to bounce on that, um, you know, working, working with Zach Sutterfield and mm-hmm. he got to meet the EMT that, you know, help save his life and we have an audience of firefighters you know thousands of firefighters listen to this podcast and we we always like to you know kind of bring it together if somebody's doing some great things and you know really has some motivation that can put into them i know in every single career you can get bogged down and you know on, on top of what bemis said is there something that you can tell the firefighters you know just to give them some motivation that what they're doing matters um, you know, what it meant for you, the guys that took care of you whenever you were a kid, um, you know, really to, to let them know that, that, that we're there for them. And that's that, you know, what they're doing is valuable for our society. Cause I know they get beat down a lot and, and we try to really encourage them over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely matters. And to me, that's the hardest part of being a firefighter. First responder is you see us at our worst point in life, right? I mean, we're beating up 
broken, left for dead. Rarely do you get to see us 10, 20, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key. It's how do you reconnect with those people once they're fully stabilized and back in society? And, you know, I tell people, I don't believe I truly have suffered. Did I go through some horrible crap? Absolutely. But name one thing in life I ever missed out on because of getting burned. I've got an amazing wife, five kids, a great career, successful athletic career. There's not one thing that I couldn't do because of this. Did I have to work three times as hard as everybody else just to be average? Hell yeah, I did. But guess what? It meant 10 times as much to me because I had to work so hard for it. And I think that's what you got to do is take pride in knowing you're making a freaking difference. You're, you know, these people's lives will be better, not just average, but better. And know that what you're doing will pay off. And it's not something you're going to see immediate. It may be 10 years before you get that. Thank you. But you still do it because you know you're making an impact. Man. Rock and roll. Thank, uh, for me, from that side, thank you. Um, I, you know, I think that that message is going to transcend all audiences that we have. And um, man, I just i I can't thank you enough for just taking the time out to talk to Landon and I, and just to share your message. You know, not not your story, your message. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's, you know, the the story is what it is, and your rule number two is never look back, never. And I think yep. that's an extremely important thing to remember is you never look back. You keep pressing forward. And, brother, I think, you know, you've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look forward to your continued successes. And, you know, I hope that I can see you performing at the highest level. I hope to see your kids, you know, performing at the highest level. I think that's an amazing thing you got going on and your message to everybody out here is just absolutely beautiful. And so I can't thank you enough for, just sitting here and talking to us and just, you know, making me feel better about what we're doing, uh, that I need to pick my shit up in my life and get yeah. a little bit more, <laughs> I love, little, I love these conversations. get a little bit more after it. And, um, but man, thank you so much for just taking the time out of your day. I know you got a huge, you're, you're a very busy schedule. You got a lot going on. We truly appreciate it, it. It means more than, you know, just to sit there and talk with you. Hey, it's the least I can do. And to me, that's what we need, right? We need to talk more. Mm-hmm. Because we're not alone in this. Like mm-hmm. it's it's hard, especially as men, we bottle up and we don't know who will appreciate it. Right. Uh, but I think just commiserating. Hey, look, this shit's hard, right? But that's okay. You know, hard is good. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of comfort in knowing it's not just me; it's other people who are struggling with it too. But hey, we'll get through it. You know, I, I'm a believer that God never gives us more than we can handle. And if you truly believe that, you can get through anything. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, the way I look at it, too, is kind of like with what you guys do. It's kind of like raising kids. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see the full benefit of parenthood until they reach adulthood. Mm-hmm. Like you wonder, did all those years really pay off? Everything that I did with them, did it matter, right? And it's rare that you get the thank you or thanks, Dad. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Right? Uh, (laughs) but when you see them back in a part of society contributing doing things like that's what i wanted right there i didn't need to thank you i just need to see you being you and doing your best yeah 
Hell yeah. After this episode, is there any way, if anybody wanted to reach out to you and ask you a couple questions, is there a way that they could reach out to you? Uh, yeah, they can or... uh, do. They can email me, inspire at shaysq.com. Okay. You know, they can do that through the website, too, and it's S-H-A-Y-E-S-K-E-W.com. Perfect. Uh, then if they want to read the book, you know, it's What the Fire Ignited. You can get it on Amazon or from my website. So, yeah, I bought mine oh, yeah. through Amazon. Yeah, so. we'll definitely be sharing that link. Yeah, we'll, we're going to post it out and make sure we spread your message. Um, like I said, I, I'm hoping somebody reach out to you and they find some value in this conversation because yeah. I've got a lot of tabs, I've got a lot of highlights, and I've got a lot to think about yeah. uh, going forward. And, again, thank you so much for just taking the time, man. And, you know, it's tr- you're, true, you're a true inspiration, a true warrior, so thank you. Absolutely. Guys, I appreciate everything y'all were doing. Thank you, Shay. We'll talk to you appreciate soon. It, brother. All right, man. Have a great weekend. See you guys. All right, Bye. brother. See you. Bye. Dad, golly, that's awesome. That you was wanna, good, you man. You want to talk about, like, kind of mentioned it to him. You want to talk about being able to change your perspective on some on some stuff. Like, yeah. You, I do like that he said, you know, you can't, can't compare pains. Mm-mm. You know, but it is a good way to get some perspective. Yeah. You know, uh, my pain isn't the same as somebody else's pain. The way that I'm going to get through it isn't the same as somebody else. But seeing how somebody else did, seeing how somebody else got through a lot worse pain, it it not only helps put your pain into perspective, but it helps you have a little paradigm shift. No, absolutely. You know, and I want to highlight one of the things that, you know, I, I figured we would talk about on this. Um, the education side of the message, uh, you know, this is a, this is from coming from the firefighter side. Now, um, the educational aspect of what we teach kids and what we teach the communities is extremely important. Yeah. He knew exactly what to do because of a lesson that he learned yeah. and he was able to save his life and his friend's life. And, um, that doesn't need to go unnoticed. And I think that what, what I'm trying to say is the fire service as a whole, just like everything else in you know, government, it gets real quick about trying to mandate stuff. Yeah. You, we cannot mandate stuff. The only thing we can ever do to be successful is to educate. Yeah. Education means to go out into your communities, talk to the kids, be present with the kids, be present with families, open the doors of your firehouses and allow them to come in there and spread the message of what it means to be safe, not playing with lighters, you know, make certain decisions that gasoline is dangerous. Don't play with it. Right. Um, if something does happen, you stop, drop a roll, call 911. Yeah. He learned a lesson that I think saved his life. Yeah, and his friends. And his friend's life. Yeah. And I think that's a very very valuable point that we need to reiterate that the fire service cannot mandate. We can well, only it, educate. And it was caused by a lesson that wasn't learned on on the other side, unfortunately. Correct. With, with the with the young young girl, you know, uh I I, I I needle my mom about this every now and then, but she would always talk about candles in the house. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. My mom was very specific about not playing with fire. Yeah. Um. I didn't always listen, but she was very specific. But it also, I I noticed it throughout my life. Like, gasoline was a big thing with her. I don't know if she because she had a, maybe a friend injured, but you know, playing with gasoline, gasoline in the garages, mm-hmm. like she was hell no on yeah. that. And that ingrained something in me to to this day. When I see people playing around bonfires, yeah. when I see the dumbass with a gas tank walking towards one, yep. I know where I'm going and that's away. Yep. 
And that didn't start whenever I started working with the Burn Foundation. This was instilled in me at a young age to understand. And and it's not just, oh, be afraid of it. It's appreciate its power. Yes. It's something we cannot control. It, this is This is an element that we deal with. And when you throw extra shit in there and you subject yourself to it, you're unfortunately we're going to suffer consequences. And, you know, I always had that fear and I was always that kid. I, I have lit my backyard on fire because I did stupid shit. Um, and I am super thankful that I wasn't injured. I've Uh, had many, many a firecracker blow up way too close to me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think that's the beautiful thing about our mission here is that Shay is a success story and it's a relatively new success story. Um, and I, I think it just re-highlights the emphasis that what we're doing here is to make you become back, be back into society. No. You know, you're not a back bar- to normalcy. Yeah, you're it's not-, not just throwing you back into the like he mentioned. You know, it's, and Zach mentioned this too. It's not yeah. just about throwing you back into the population. I love Bird's kind of perspective of how do we get them back to normalcy where they they can work and they can function as a normal individual. Correct. Um, now. Shay's a bit different because he wants to be balls to the wall, but yeah. you know, your 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 standard burn survivor, injured individual, even cancer survivor, mm-hmm. just wants to get back to a state yeah. of normalcy. Yeah, and that that's what we're focused on. I mean, him looking himself into the mirror, and then being called Freddy Krueger at school, yeah, is that's not getting back to normal. That's not you know, no. we've got to do better. No. We've and. We are doing better, and that's the beautiful thing about this organization is that we're not going to accept shit like that. No. That's not going to define who we are. That's not going to define any of our patients or anybody that we deal with. No. You're going to be an individual with us, no. and you're never going to be an, an You're never going to be isolated. You're never going to be alone. And that's our goal is to help you get back to where you want to be. No. He's back where he wants to be, and I don't think he's there yet because he's not happy with not being able to compete in Antarctica <laughs> or anywhere else. But we've got to get you back to where you want to be. How do we do that? You you work with us. Yeah. You help us. Let's get our mission out there. Let's get these hospitals. Let's get this research going. We have to do this. Yeah. And, and that's why everything we do here is super critical to success stories like Shay, yeah. to success stories like Zach, there's, there's, R2. There, and keep in mind, there's no excuse that burn surgery and burn uh, treatment is still Pitter pattering around the Vietnam era. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no fucking excuse. There's for that. no excuse whatsoever. And, and we can, we can, we can do better as a society. But in order to do that, we have to have advocates for those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have too many firefighters being burned. We have too many civilians being burned. Fire is a regular part of our life for us not to understand that we need to make sure that we know how to heal these people. And the thing is, it's this is not facts we're making up. You can go to Firefighter Rescue Survey right now and see that rescues are happening on the regular. On People the regular. are in fires. They're either dying or they're severely injured and or hope to God that they're able to go walk out of the hospital in a couple of days. But people are dying still, and people are being burned, and we haven't done enough to, in, in the medical field to fix this problem. Well, I'll tell you what. Whenever I first started with Sons of the Flag, you know, I was like, well, I'll— I'll share what's going on at the fire departments and 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 you know the fires and stuff like that. I'll I'll yeah. put the if I did that my the the sons of the flag social media feed would be filled yep. hourly like with there's a fire here there's a fire here there's a fire here there's a fire yep. here like that it is I follow we follow 
so many departments. Yeah. There's stuff going on all the time, and there's no way I can. I'm going to aggregate all, all of it. But it. But that means that our firefighters are on the front lines. That means that there are civilians uh, and firefighters in harm's way that are getting burned, and it just it. it it awakens something in me that says that we need to do more. We have to do more. We need to speak to more people like Shay. We need to speak to more people like Zach. We need to speak yep. to more people like Andrew Crocker and uh, you know, these guys who, who've gone from you know, being in tough situations, overcoming adversity, and get their message out. And Devin, really start, Devin Barnhart. Devin Barnhart. And really get the fire, you know, get, 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 the, the what he says what the fire ignited get something yep. ignited in everyone to say enough is enough it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to get to get it burns aren't pretty it's no. a difficult thing to get to to get amped up about but i think whenever you start hearing and and seeing what these individuals do you can you know and it makes it real because you know when i heard about andrew's injury the other day it made it real you know i have dealt with some burn stuff um, uh, but we just interviewed him. Yeah, last yeah. month or oh, in January. Then, yeah, so we'll give you the update. Uh, one of our we, who we just interviewed our last episode uh, was yeah, it last, last episode. Last episode, um, Andrew Crocker um uh, was on a call. You 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 might know a little bit more of the story. Yeah, I just know it came to City Fire. Uh, he's an ex SEAL. Um, he was second and third. He suffered second and three. Second and third degree burns on a pretty intense fire um you know and i have it, yeah it, but just talked to him less you know about it, a month ago he said the injury happened the, like a week or so after the show released and i it, it just puts it into perspective when i got that news yeah that this happened i'm just like holy shit this is real yeah and i get it what we do is real um but it it, it made it more real because i know his first and last name I yeah. just talked to him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a victim that I deal with on a call and I'll find their names out later. Yeah. Um, and I, and it's, that's just, I'm sorry. That's just the mindset, you know, it you can't it make it personal be. at that moment. Um, but it was personal because we literally just talked to him. Well, and we talked and that was one of the things that we hit on during mm -hmm. the podcast. If yeah. he had, if he had experienced something like that and he had said, you know, I've been minor, you know what you what you get as yeah. a firefighter. Yeah, and then the next week he's he's in a burn unit, having surgeries. Yeah, and of course we're gonna we're gonna do everything that we can for him. Yeah, there's there's no ifs ands or buts about that. You know, and that kind of brings me real quick about the task force. Um, we need members. We we are strong, 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 strong. We always need more. Yeah. Uh, we keep talking about advocates. Um, for what we do, that's our task force. You guys are our advocates in your local communities, in your local burn centers. And if you want to be a better firefighter, you get the monthly lineup from Greg. Yeah. And let me tell you, Greg Turnell, uh, retired lieutenant at a DC fire, sends some of the best lineups and words of wisdom, yep. uh, st stories that he has dealt with. Yep. Uh, but we always get updates on our all of our patients and our task force. I'm telling you, it's it's the one email. I don't look forward to many emails, <laughs> not from just something, but if anybody. Yeah, it's actually one email that I look forward to is reading what Greg has to share because Greg's got a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, Greg sees the true mission of Sons of the Flag. Greg's been here been since the inception. Since, yeah. 
And damn near day one. And Greg is one of the best individuals. If you want to call him up and ask him a question, he's going to. And yeah. so that's why I encourage you to, to reach out to us. If you are interested in joining the task force, send us an email, get a hold of Landon. Uh, we'll get you to Greg. If you want to email Greg direct, it's, you can do that too. Uh, on our website, sons of the flag.org. You can find all that information. Mm-hmm. You can find out about mission reconstruct all of our programs. Uh, we've got a EJ's new, kids. And, uh, I, I was told that I can, Uh-oh. uh, Announce a little bit. Yeah. Um, we got some new people coming on to Sons of the Flag that we're extremely excited about. Awesome. Stay tuned to social media for that. It's already been in- announced internally. I'm not going to say anything yes. just yet because I, I want to make sure. Uh, I, I want to put it out on social media and I want to see everybody's yeah. reaction. But we have some awesome people coming on. We have a new program that's about to start um, because of those individuals. So, we get, I mean, it's it's it, it feels really good that coming out of COVID, we're still – Yep. growing and creating more projects, bringing more people on we and never rocking stopped. and rolling the mission. Yep. Yeah. And so Landon's talking about social media. It's sons of the flag, uh, on all social media, all social type media. in at sons of the flag. You'll find us, um, shoot us an email, uh, any of the task force members in your state. If you see there's a state that's not represented and you live in that state, <laughs> come on, you know, we were just talking about signs from God. That might be your sign that you need to join <laughs> sons of the flag. But, um, we're not going to throw you to the wolves. We're going to build you up. We're going to help you. Um, dude, we have a hell of a team. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of great guys. Um, Gary's, you know, up in Arkansas is just tearing it up. Rob is tearing it up. Yeah. Um, Ryan, everybody's just, we got huge players. Greg, Greg uh, Gary's doing doing some awesome yes. events. I mean, his he's been, he's done an event like every two to three yeah. months. And it's like just, it's been pretty awesome and if you need ideas of how to help us uh or especially events setting stuff up or if you need us to be a beneficiary of an event you know reach out to us and i'm telling you we will make the world happen for you and, and don't forget tw- for twenty five hundred dollars twenty five hundred dollars you get the surgeries yep that shasu went through that's what that twenty five hundred dollars yep. gets you are changing a burn survivor's life forever Mm-hmm. You know, we are, that is like you heard him say, he's had skin grafts, that skin graft shrunk 65%. This skin graft that we got him for $2,500. Thanks to our, our, uh, our program out in Tampa, it, it will not shrink. Yep. It's because how many botched surgeries has he had countless numbers of yeah. them? Yeah. He's endured more suffering than most of us will ever have to deal with. And then also think about the families. $25 is a, is a go bag. Yeah. So those also help their, fund their families too. So that's why dollars for some food. You can bu- mm-hmm. you can buy the plane trip. You, you you can pay for the hotel. You can see on our website. It's got a breakdown of what you would be able to fund with each dollar that you give to us. And like yeah. I said, twenty five hundred dollars is what we're looking for because it funds Shay's Every- surgeries. Yeah, everything. It funds Andrew's surgeries if he ever has to have them. Yeah, it takes care of everybody that we've swore to protect. You know, and and you that's got- a beautiful thing. You, those of you who've donated got Zach Sutterfield a new finger. Yep. I mean, that's I, I, I don't think we can stress how how incredible that is. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, all right. Sons of the flag dot org uh, dot org. Wow. <laughs> Sons of the flag dot org. All social media at Sons of the Flag. Yep. If you have questions, hit up Landon Sherry. If you need uh, an application for burn survivor assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll go to Sherry. Sherry will then forward it on, or you can send it, get to Landon. Uh, Greg's for the task force. 
like I said, we got some badasses in place. We've got a bright future. Yep. Nothing's stopping us. And we're 10 years strong, and we're going to keep going. We hope that you can join this team and make us successful. So thank you to Shay. Uh, what the Fire Ignited is his book. Um, get out there and get it. I promise you it's an easy it's read. Worth it. It's a simple read, uh, but it's got a lot of good shit in there. Yeah. So thank you guys again uh, for listening. Thank you for always being there to support us. Uh, Landon, you know, thank you. This yes, is sir. always a blast, man. Hell so yeah. looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. So thank you guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening tonight. And, you know, as always, just make sure you keep the mission first. Thank you. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. <laughs>